Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levine, and as the title implies, I'm a first timer. Until I started this podcast, I had not seen Doctor Who. And of course, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you know I can't stop now. And if you're not a Doctor Who fan and you're like me, I hope you're going down this rabbit hole uh, as far and as deep as I have because holy crap, this show is good. And today we're going to be talking about uh, an episode called Gridlock from Series 3. It's Episode 3 of that series. So to discuss this insanely creative episode and super fun episode, I had to bring back one of the most insanely talented and creative people I know, and that's Jamie Kern. I just come here for the affirmations. <laughs> well, I I hope that one was good enough. It was. It was. It was. I'll come back again. Bring it on. <laughs> uh, I, I we've got plenty of them. Uh, all of the accolades go to you. But welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. And uh, I couldn't think of a more appropriate episode for us to cover because there were so many moments as I watched this episode that reminded me of you <laughs> that I'm glad this is the episode I get to share with you on the podcast. Yay. So, dear listener, if you have not at this point, it would be a great time to pause the podcast and go and watch Gridlock, which I like I said, it's series three, episode three. And that's your warning, because from here on out, we're going to talk about it. We're going to spoil the plot of the episode. We're going to spoil what happens in it. So do yourself a favor. Go watch it first, then come back and join us for the episode, which let's jump right in immediately back in uh, New New Earth. New New Or did I miss a new? New New well, New, new Earth? It's Technically, it's 15 news, I believe. He's new, 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 New York. <laughs> but I think new, yes. new Earth, and it's new New York. And new New York to the triplicate power. Um, but we, you know, once again, we get to deal with the cat people. Yes. Uh, which, you know, I, I, I had a long conversation with Eric about them. Uh, I was like, wow, this is wild. And, and, and Eric kept insinuating we were going to see them again because I wasn't sure, like, are they all girls? Are they all like, what is happening? Uh, and so I'm glad that in this episode, not only do we get to see them, but we get to see their little offspring. And that was I immediately... Know. Isn't that the best? That's one of my favorite moments because, of course, they're kittens. Of course, they're uh, kittens. Of course. And they're like, Mama. And immediately, I'm like, that's Jamie Kern. <laughs> if Jamie Kern could jump through the TV at this moment, she'd be holding all of them going, I'll take care of you, babies. All the kitties. All the little baby kitties. They're so cute. It was Oh my gosh, that was uh, such a cute moment. But anyways, uh, realistically, um, this is, you know, the, the doctor has just taken on this new companion and he promised her that it'd be one trip and then home. But of course, you know, he's showing off. Right. His first trip with her was to see Shakespeare, basically. And now he decides. Just one trip. That's what I said. One trip in the TARDIS and then home. Although... I suppose we could stretch the definition. Take one trip in the past, one trip in the future. 
How do you fancy that? <laughs> no complaints from me. And they plop down in New New York. Uh, and immediately, you know, I love how Martha is kind of in the same wavelength as I am because she calls him out for it. She's we say last time, was that you and Rose? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. You're taking me to the same planets that you took her. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Ever heard the word rebound? Right. So awkward. Is, is, is it right? Like, is is that really like? Does the doctor really not realize what he's doing? Is it subconscious? I think it's subconscious. I don't think he like purposely thinks I'm going to take her to the places that I took Rose. I think it's more of a oh, here's a place that Rose enjoyed. I bet Martha would enjoy it too, right? Hmm. I, I can see that because, yeah, they, they definitely had a, a good positive experience. Uh, I mean, even though Rose got possessed by <laughs> <laughs> by crazy Cassandra, but there's that. I, I can I can see a little bit of that. I mean, it, it's the doctor. You know, some weird stuff is going right. to go down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he intends for it to be a, you know, rebound visit as Martha puts it. But I, I think that it's just a place that he associates with something nice, something good. This is a place I know I can take her where she'll see things that she's never seen before. Um, and it just so happens to be the place where he took Rose, which just makes it awkward. <laughs> and it is a little like shady that he takes Rose and they're like, on the the grass on the apple grass field and looking at this beautiful facade and he lands with martha and it's like the hood totally exactly <laughs> exactly you're like wow doctor read the room poor martha Not appropriate, man poor martha oh, oh i mean she's like and she even mentions that she brings it up you've brought me to the slums much more interesting it's all cocktails and glitter up there this is the real city You'd enjoy anything. Place in the city. <laughs> exactly. Only the best for poor Martha. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like last episode, she's like, Am I gonna get shipped right. to the Americas? Like right. what's gonna happen here? Uh, you know, and then this episode, she's like, Thanks. Thanks for showing me the best part. Right. And he's like, Oh, it's okay. It's gonna be interesting. And she's like, I bet you say that about everything. Right. Exactly. Which is a very, you know, like that's a very astute uh, but very true observation is he finds the good in everything. That's true. That's true. You know? There's always something that he finds interesting. And if he finds something interesting, that equals good to him. It, so mm -hmm. good is not necessarily what you and I think of as good. It just has to be interesting. It just has to spark his curiosity. It's cool that the doctor is able to in any situation, even some of these highly dangerous places that he goes to, that he's able to find something that interests him. And thus, it's a place that he ends up enjoying it. You know, he ends up equating with that good, like, oh, this is a good place. Well, it, it's dirty. It's awful. Why? Why do you think it's good? Because there's interesting things happening, mm -hmm. you know, which is such a positive way of looking at situations which is certainly something that currently we can all learn from that's you know, true instead of fixating on on these negative things we can go look at the interesting things that are happening right and find the good in that 
So I, I like that. And I like that Martha kind of notices that about him right away because, you know, she's now been with him for at least three episodes. And every time something weird happens, she sees how excited he gets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's she's not uh, she's not an obtuse girl. No. She's very, very much uh, attuned to what's happening. And she's smart, right? Like, so she has a natural curiosity herself. She's a doctor, right? So she, mm-hmm. clearly she has some of that in her. And so I think she sees that in him you know, amplified. And that's something that she finds interesting not to use the word too much, but, um, that, and, and that to her makes him good. Right. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Uh, she is very different than Rose. Yes. Uh, like very, very different than Rose. Um, but she still has that quality that Rose had, which was that part that said, I'm going to go along with whatever this doctor says. Mm-hmm. You know, she has that that part of her. There, There is a moment in, in this episode where she's in peril and she's like, well, the doctor's going to come. Right. She trusts him. You know? She already entrust, she trusts him implicitly, you know, already. Right. Right. In, in, in a very dire situation where she starts to have that, like, I, I call it the, the, the panic attack moment where, you know, Rose had that similar uh, when, you know, that, that similar moment when the doctor first takes her into the future and she's, you know, on this satellite and she has that moment of, wait a minute, like everybody that I know is dead. Everybody that I know doesn't exist anymore. And she has that moment of panic attack and she needs the crutch of being given that phone where she can make that phone call Mm -hmm. into her past. And Martha has that panic attack of like, oh, my gosh, my parents don't know where I am. My parents are going to think I'm dead and they're not going to know what happened to me. Yeah. But then she copes. Yep. She gets past it. Uh, So, you know, not not that I want to again throw some shade uh rose's way but you know martha is definitely a much stronger person she's a much more complete person she's starting off a much stronger person i think rose got there right but oh yeah but yeah you know she started off sort of timid whereas martha is starting off in a much stronger place and I think, you know, we, we even talked about how young Rose was supposed to be when she first started yeah. her adventures. And, you know, it, it, it was only a matter of a year or, or so that uh, they spent together. And in that time, she grew from that very adolescent girl to a very world travel, world wise uh, woman. That was a lot of W's. <laughs> <laughs> Those are hard for me in my uh, my English as a second language. So I, I had to take a moment to celebrate the fact that I didn't stumble over that. Good job. Uh, you know, she definitely grew to be that strong, independent, inquisitive, uh, and self reliant character. We saw that in the the Satan's Pit episode, where she, you know, she's able to take charge and do things uh, very much like Martha is. But it took her a little bit to warm up. And I like how Martha is just like hitting the ground running and she's able to make these decisions and she's able to have these rational thinking moments 
like any human being would and be able to write herself yeah uh without the crutch of having to have the doctor literally be right next to her just the thought of the doctor calmed her down and made her feel better yep yeah totally agree which was great um so let's talk about the the you know the the episode is called gridlock and the thing that I, you know, I, I was wondering, what, what is the gridlock? What is this going to be? Because I, I try to discern what the episodes are going to be based on the show title. Sure. And I couldn't have, in the my wildest dreams, envisioned a, the same world that we've been to and visited, uh, now seen through the underbelly of basically being stuck in traffic. Stuck in traffic for <laughs> six years to go 10 miles is what uh, right. Sheen and Milo say that it's going to take them six years to go 10 miles, which is sometimes how it feels for me on I-4, which is our highway here. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> And and, and I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that, um, but I do want to make sure that people realize However bad traffic is here in Orlando, which is where we live, um, it is nothing compared to like Los Angeles no. traffic. Uh, so when when they're talking about however long it took them to be there, two things came to mind. One, I'm glad for this pandemic because I have not had to be stuck in traffic. Right. For a very long time. And two, my poor friends in California who have to deal with this day in and day yes. out. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I feel like that, that's that got to be, like, there was a little bit, I, I just recently saw the movie um, Nomadland. Mm-hmm. And so there was a little bit of like all these people living in their cars because they have to spend, you know, half of their lifetime traveling right. to their destination. right. <laughs> You know, so everybody basically has a Winnebago and (laughs) and it's great as as you see the doctor like going through level by level, like you see all these different, oh my gosh, like uh, to see not all the, the, the different types of people, but the way that each vehicle sort of was unique to their personality. Mm-hmm. That's w- one of my favorite parts about this episode is that scene where he's just, just dropping through and dropping through and dropping through. And you just for splits, you know, just for a minute, you see these characters, but they have, you immediately know what their personality is. You immediately know, oh, yeah. you know, something about them just by not only the way that they look, but the way that their car looks. And so you, you get, just this taste of all of these different types of, of people, uh, which I just think is so much fun. And and the idea that they can talk to each other, but it's it's easier if they're on your friend's your list. Your friend's list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, again, talk about prophetic, you know, like social media was just in its infancy with yeah. this thing started and it is you know it has definitely become that where you know especially last year we were not you know we were all stuck we weren't going anywhere and the only way you talk to people were if if they were on your friends list and you talk to them via social media it was like talk about social commentary in a way that it feels very relevant even when we're not stuck in traffic right exactly you know the idea that, and 
you know, it, it, it seemed a little confusing when they kidnap Martha and, you know, then they keep apologizing to her, but they're taking her anyway. And then you find out that it's just to use the HOV lane. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, I think we've all thought about, like, if you drive and you drive by yourself to work, you've always thought about buying that mannequin that's right. going to sit next to you, <laughs> that you're going to somehow create articulation so the cops don't become suspicious. Exactly. Exactly. And unfortunately, you know, and then, it's an automated system, so they have to have a real live person. They can't just bring them in again. <laughs> right, right, right. Although I could see like Adam Savage creating like a whole humanoid <laughs> that like pulsates blood and everything right. so that it can, you know, fake the system. Um, but, you know, again, such a such a creative way of taking normal world problems and expanding them beyond, you know, the, the normal, rational way of going, OK, we're going to take it to the umpteenth level. And then Doctor Who turns it up to 11. Right. <laughs> Um, but also, you know, to sort of have that social commentary on, you know, how much time people spend in their cars, how much time people spend commuting and what that does to people and what that does to their socialization. You know, th there's that old lady that they, uh, that is on the friends list that she's, you know, sitting there knitting, but then she pulls out a book and she clearly like chronicles every move that happens around her. Right, which know? is such a little old lady thing to do, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, of course she would be the one that would be keeping this journal of every little thing that has happened. Of course she would. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so that I, I, I found that just fascinating and interesting. Uh, but then, as is the, as I mentioned, as is the want in a Doctor Who episode, everything gets turned up to 11 the the face of Bo, which we see very quickly at the beginning, mm -hmm. is there. And, of course, I immediately remembered the last time we saw the face of Bo, he promised that before he would die, he would give the doctor some big secret. Yes. So immediately when I saw that, I'm like, is this going to be the episode? Um, but I love how the the lady that was with him you know, she's like, go, go get him. It's really important that you go get him. And halfway through the episode, I'm like, how, you know, he's in all these cars and I forgot about her, honestly. Totally. Yes, me too. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh crap, pirates. Uh, and again, you're like, oh, okay. Here's a new facet of something that's happening in this world. And it, instead it's the nurse with the like blaster gun. Right. And you're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're here. I forgot about you. <laughs> right. Like I completely forgot that that was happening. Cause I got so sucked into the duck, like the doctor desperately trying to get to Martha. And then she, uh, teleports him and, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. Wait, no, Wait the last minute. time I saw you. <laughs> You were harvesting human beings. Wait a second. Uh, so just like this amazing range of emotions that the doctor has to go through from like the most angry I've seen him in a very long time to like the most distrusting to the most empathetic I've seen him. Right. We got to imagine too that he has seen 
you know, lots of people in his life, right? And so it would make sense that for a brief minute, he'd be so excited to see somebody again because he probably doesn't see people twice very often. So he's excited right. to see her, but wait a second. Then it all comes back to him and he's like, hang on, <laughs> wait, you know, you're a bad guy. Hey, hug. No, no, no hug. You're <laughs> terrible. But I love that, you know, he, he starts doing his thing where he's asking questions and what's going on and I'm going to talk to the Senate. And she's like, we are in the Senate. And again, Space Senate, future Senate, Jamie Kern, I think. <laughs> you know, like immediately I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a Star Wars like Senate Star scene. Wars. <laughs> yes. And it kind of is. It's like what the Senate looked like after Palpatine like loses his shit and like just kills everybody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like all these skeletons like strewed about just like wherever they died. Yeah. Because I think she said it took seven minutes to kill the world. So wherever anybody was in those seven minutes, they're just there right. forever. And again, talk about prophetic. It, it was a virus right. that ultimately killed everybody. I thought the same thing. It was like, you know, a virus that was brought on. Now it was brought on by a new drug, but which is, you know, different than now. But I thought, oh, my gosh, like, what a crazy thing to be watching right now. And I, I, my thought was, well, I guess this whole pandemic thing could have been a lot worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? it was like euphoria or ecstasy. Bliss. 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 That's what it was. Like, because you could you could patch in like the the concept of this episode was that there were these drugs that you can like put as a patch, like a nicotine patch. Yes. And bliss is the one that drove everybody. And part of me had to wonder, like, did they have like a conference call with the BBC about what that was going to be, what emotion that was going to be? Because you know somebody at the BBC wanted it, or one of the writers probably wanted to be like some sort of orgasm, right? <laughs> right. Bliss was as close as they were going to get on a family show. Because right. like, I can only imagine the Brits is like, oh no, orgasms? That's so ghastly. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're sitting there, it's like, what, well, what's close to orgasms close? that we could use in the show? <laughs> Happiness? No, 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 that's not right. <laughs> uh, so I, I imagine that that was the conference call that went down that ultimately led to bliss, most likely, uh, becoming the thing. Uh, but yeah, like seven minutes, and the world gets wiped out, and the uh, the quarantine for the planet is a hundred years. years. Yeah. You know, so you you think we got it bad with like a year long <laughs> quarantine? Could have been worse, <laughs> right? In new new earth, it sucks right now. Exactly, five billion <laughs> years in the future, they got it worse than we do. Exactly. I mean, I won't have to worry because by then I'll just be a sheet with eyes and a mouth, <laughs> asking to be moisturized. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> Feed me more empanadas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they got to survive. They're, it's an easy food. You can carry it in your hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. But so that was moment number two where immediately I was like, okay, Jamie Kern, <laughs> like Space Senate. Uh, not the death part, just the Space Senate. <laughs> well, good. Concept, I'm glad the know. death part didn't remind you of me. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there's other people that I work with that remind me of that. <laughs> But uh, again, I love that uh, 
without the doctor, Martha is in peril, and Martha is the one that goes. Turn everything off. You're gonna be joking. <laughs> but listen, this whole fog out there. So how can they see us? Maybe it's the engine, the sound, or the heat, or the light. I don't know. Turn everything off. They might not be able to find us. You know, and then she admits. She's like, "Well, I." I saw it in a movie yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't honestly remember how they get out of it. Right. She got halfway there. <laughs> right. Right. And then of course I love how there's that, the ticking bomb thing where they're like, well, I hope you think about it because we got eight minutes. Right. And then, and it seems like that's the fate of Martha. Cause you know, she got taken to the moon in her hospital and they were running out of oxygen. Yes. <laughs> and now once again, like it, it's almost like they're they're uh, broadcasting it that that's how Martha is going to go. Right. She's going to run out of oxygen. Right. Foreshadowing. Like, right. Like keep keep bringing an oxygen tank with you if I were you, girl. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she, after you're this one. Maybe after this one, she'd be like, you know, doctor. <laughs> right. If I'm going to go with you, there's some scuba gear I need to bring. <laughs> Um, but you know, once again, yet another moment in, in, a, in an episode that's already crazy. Cause we get introduced to weird creatures and drugs that are applied through patches and, you know, traffic nightmare from hell and dead space people and, or dead future people from a virus. And on top of it, there's like the like scariest versions of a Pokemon (laughs) at the the bottom of this, you know, thing that everybody is stuck in. You're like, Hey, I finally got to the fast lane. Not so fast. Not so much. Here's this giant crab creature that apparently at some point were highly evolved and now have de-evolved to be nothing more than, you know, consumed rabid beasts. But there you go, Doctor Who turning it all the way to eleven, and then pushing the knob one it, one notch louder. Yeah. Well, here's a fun fact. So that's the Macra, right? Is the name of them. The fun fact about mm-hmm. them is that they were actually in an episode of Doctor Who in 1967 with the Ooh. second Doctor. So this is a callback to a villain that has happened many, 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 many years ago. Many moons ago. But would have been a little bit more evolved the first time they saw him. So the doctor has encountered them before as the second iteration of himself. So it's been a while, um, but they've devolved since last he saw them, which I just think is so interesting that they did that kind of shout out to anybody who had, you know, watched the series from the beginning. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I I did not pick that up at all. No, how would you if you I hadn't mean, I, seen it? He talked about it. Yeah, I mean he he said you know they they were the scourge of the earth or the of the universe. Um. So sure, it stands to reason he would have met him. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love it because they look like Kingler. If uh, if you are listening and you're a Pokemon fan like uh, myself, uh, they, they're basically Kinglers. That's what they are. <laughs> Doctor Who Kinglers. I believe you. I don't um, know the Pokemon, but I believe you. It, it, it It's basically a crab-looking Pokemon. It starts out as crabby. It evolves to Kingler. You know, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm not just one kind of nerd. I'm all the nerds. Fair. <laughs> fair. I am multiple uh, nerd myself. Just That's just not one of mine. 
the I I am a multiple nerd and I'm just now getting into Doctor Who. So right. it it's all, you know, plenty of time to catch up. That's true. There's hope um, for me yet. <laughs> uh the, there was another moment that I really liked in this episode uh where uh I've made a lot of this, uh, of the coat that the doctor wears because my friend, uh, who, uh, appears on our podcast frequently, Eric, uh, has one and worn it around me and it meant nothing to me then. But of course now I would like take it off of his jacket, you know, take it off of his back and wear it myself. Right. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, that coat. Uh, now I want one on my own. Right. Uh, but I love how he like hands it off <laughs> to, um, Oh God. What was Brannigan. Brannigan. And uh and goes, oh, I like that coat. Janice Janice Jacqueline. Yes. Gave me that coat. So I, I I mean, is that a shout out also to an old Doctor oh, Who? I is, wish. Or is that just <laughs> I wish wouldn't that be great? No, I think that's just a shout out to the life that we don't get to see. It's just the, it, the, uh, the off screen adventures. It's, you know, every once in a while, the doctor will do that. Right. He sort of like lets on that he has encountered some famous person or another. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we don't necessarily get to see those, but man would not be a great episode. That that would be a heck of an episode. I'm like, was she a companion? Right. And she gave him the coat? Like, what happened? Right. Or were they just <laughs> at a party that he happened to be at? Right. He's <laughs> like, you know what would go with that brown suit? Here's this jacket. Here's this coat. Yep. Exactly. Or would, I mean, what would had be, because we see him when he first takes on this, this form going through his uh, extensive walk-in TARDIS closet. Yes. You know, so there's, I mean, if, if there's a story behind this particular coat, what's the story behind all the other stuff exactly. that he's got? Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, I feel like the doctor is not somebody who just goes shopping and picks things up. Like he acquires things along the way from people and moments. And, you know, so there's got to right. be a story that goes with everything. The, the I I had that gas moment of like oh my gosh yeah uh, you know I I just love expanding the lore expanding the the mythology behind that man so uh, I find it incredibly awesome and then uh, last moment that reminded me of Jamie Kern is uh, as is the want the doctor is going to. Uh, do everything he can to save as many people as he can. And so in this case, he opens the roof to the tunnel that all these people were stuck in and then encourages everybody to just fly out, fly out, everybody, you're good. And the last sort of shot that we see of the uh, episode is new New York with all these cars flying. And, if you know me or Jamie Kern, you know where I, what I'm about to say. It looks like Coruscant. It totally looks like Coruscant. <laughs> yes. It looks like a Coruscant shot if I've ever seen and one. It does. It does. And actually, that was one of the influences for New New York. Um, that Blade Runner and The Fifth Element were all mm. uh, you know, influences. But yeah, that definitely is a callback to Coruscant when all those cars are going around. It totally looks like that. 
Right, and like the sunset happening, and you're like, it's 2006, 2007 when this episode comes out, which is, would have been after episode three came out. Yes. So like, it, it was all intentional. And so immediately I saw that, and one again, I said, I am glad that this is the episode <laughs> I get to talk to Jamie about, because there were so many moments where I just felt your presence next to me while watching it that... Uh, it, it it made the episode that much more entertaining. Well, that makes me happy because this is one of my favorite episodes just because it's so fun. And this is an episode where if you are, if you happen to be with somebody who'd never seen an episode of Doctor Who and you sat down and watched it with them, this particular episode with them, they could enjoy it without necessarily mm-hmm. knowing. They don't necessarily need to know who the face of Bo is and where the cat lady came from and, and whatever. And it, it makes it, you know, all the better when you do know that stuff, but you could absolutely watch this and not know anything and still enjoy it. And so that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I really like about this episode. I, I, I agree. I, I like, uh, and I'm starting to find a few of those episodes where if I had to, uh, encourage somebody to jump in, I think this would be one of those episodes that I would tell him to jump in on because there is some explanation Mm -hmm. and the doctor has that moment where he sits down with Martha and he kind of gives her uh, kind of a quick cliff notes. Uh, So for somebody that has never seen the show, this would be a really easy way to kind of jump in and get some information at the end that will help fill in some of those blanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, it's such a fun episode getting to be inside those little habitats with all those different people and getting to see their, you know, their unique personalities and and their lives. It's just so interesting. Agreed. Agreed. It's just a fun episode to watch. And uh, on top of it, we, we do get the secret because the face of Bo is, is, completely extinguished he utilizes the rest of his life force uh to to help these people escape their you know terrible fate and he tells the doctor that he is not alone yeah you are not alone he says what does that mean right so immediately i i heard the michael jackson song start playing (laughs) behind him Um, but you know, I'm like, what? And then the doctor in, in that conversation that I uh, mentioned he has with Martha, he dismisses it. He's like, he's wrong. He's wrong. There's, and, and I love that he says that because the moment he said that I heard Mickey in my head, my dear old Mickey, (laughs) I love Mickey, but in, in the doomsday episode, Rose mentioned something to to mickey that the doctor has said and mickey goes well that's not the first time he's been wrong is it that's true he did say that and so now whenever the doctor speaks with any significant authority and another you know wise being which at this point we've seen the face of Bo a couple of times and that's certainly the way that they depict him is as this depict him is as this very wise character, I'm going to have to give the face of Bo the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I'm going to have to assume that the doctor does, that the face of Bo knows more than the doctor does. And it's the doctor's 
arrogance that is keeping him from seeing it. Yep. Am I on the right path? Here? Y- yes, I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, I think that, you know, the doctor is rightfully making an assumption based on what he knows, right? Uh, and he's gone through all of time and space for all of this time and space and not met another time lord so of course he would think that he is the you know last and only but i think that there's a strong possibility that the face of bone knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. well i i cannot wait for more of that uh because the time war has definitely been something that has clearly worn on at least all of the doctors that i've seen so far which is only two um the the the, the time war is definitely a very heavy topic around both of them uh and this is one of the first times that uh i see the 10th doctor right he's the 10th Mm -hmm. uh, that we see him discuss the time war because with the ninth doctor, we saw a lot of that. There was a lot of, you know, setup and and discussing it and, and mentioning, mentioning it to Rose, but the 10th doctor doesn't really seem to want to talk about that. And so this is the first time that we see him really address it. um, In what I thought was one of the most brilliant parts of this episode, which was both characters, Martha and the doctor realizing they don't really know much about each other. Yeah. In fact, he says that, right? They, he says, I hardly know her. I was too busy showing off. Mm-hmm. Which is... So they're, they're just know, learning. They, right. And it, talk about, you know, using science fiction and uh, storytelling uh, to make a point. You know, what, what a brilliant way of saying, like, Instead of instead of spending so much time trying to show off, how about you you get to know somebody, mm-hmm. you talk to them, mm-hmm. you ask questions, and you listen, right? You know, being the important part, and and you share. You don't lie with them or to them. You share with them. Yeah, and I think you that's share a, your pain. You share your truth. That's an interesting thing that the doctor says, right? He when he says that I lied to you because he never really lied to her. He just didn't tell her the full truth, right? He, he didn't lie. He didn't tell her things that were not true about his home planet. He just mm-hmm. didn't also tell her that his home planet doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So it's an interesting way that he put it that, that to him, he lied because he didn't tell her that. Uh, but that, that shows the kind of state of mind that he's in, in that, Yes, I, I would agree with you. You could say that he misrepresented mm-hmm. what the actual situation was rather than lie, but he saw it as a lie. He yeah. felt that it was lying to her, um, which is, I think, the more important part, uh, and that he had to tell her this is what happened, uh, and that she you know, sits there and, and listens to him and is very receptive uh, and is very empathetic to him uh, because, you know, the, again, that's important. It's important that the doctor feel like he can be safe in, in talking to people about something that is clearly emotional to him. Mm-hmm. And 
he felt like he could do that with Martha. And I feel that that's only going to deepen their relationship and actually get that relationship started because we've seen Martha is clearly very much into the doctor, but the doctor is not into Martha. He's just into having somebody to show off for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this, I think, is the beginning of them really becoming friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having those conversations that, for whatever reason, seem to happen easier with Rose. I mean, again, he met her as a different version of himself, and that version was much more inquisitive. Mm -hmm. Um. So it's interesting to see how this version of himself uh, deals with with that uh, and how he confronts it. Uh, and I love that this episode does that uh, in a way that is important, you know, to show that even this very powerful guy, very old, very, you know, wise person can make that mistake and need to be vulnerable and make himself vulnerable if he wants to have a friend. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So um, that that's it for all of the things that I noticed. Uh, did I miss anything from this episode? Oh, just a couple of little things. So I don't know if you noticed, but the very, very first couple in the car, they are meant to look like the painting American Gothic. I I did see that and I meant to bring that up in the podcast and I just neglected to. But yeah, I was like, what is American Gothic doing right? here? I, should, I just love that. I just think it's so funny. Um, there's a moment. Although they had a British accent, which was hilarious. <laughs> right, exactly. Which makes it even funnier, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, there's a moment where I can't think of his wife's name, Brannigan's wife. I can't think of her name, but she says, um, mm-hmm. she's talking about the doctor and she says, it's completely insane. That and a bit magnificent. That's such a good way to describe the doctor. He's completely insane and a bit magnificent. Mm, yeah. Such a good way. Um, Very apt description of him. Now, here's a, a, a funny thing that I didn't notice until I, I read a little thing about it. But did you notice that the driver's seats are on the wrong side of the car if they're in New York. <laughs> they're on the British side of the car, so mm-hmm. they should be switched if they were in New York, which is just a funny little just a funny little thing, you know. So apparently well, in It's new 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 York. <laughs> right. And by then, you know, they all move to the the right side we're, of the car. Apparently, <laughs> apparently we've all switched over by that point. Um sure. On the mood patches, there's a green crescent, and we've seen that symbol before. When Which symbolizes a hospital, the hospital, correct. So, and in particular, the cat hospital, which we know oh. kind of went bad, right? So, it's interesting that their symbol is what's on these mood drugs that are clearly being sold in like the underbelly of the world, right? Um, but I, just think well, the, I believe in that episode in, in that we first see that uh, the cat, the hospital, the doctor says it's the universal sign for hospital, for hospital. That, ha- that half moon. That's right. That's right. You're right. Good memory. Um, <laughs> I, something interesting that I noticed was when they're all in the cars and that hymn starts being played, that 
there are a couple of moments where Martha sang along to it. And I was like, Oh, this must be, a, this must be a, a real song. And so I looked it up and it is actually written by an American. Um, but it's been sung by a bunch of people, which I just thought was interesting. It must be really well known, particularly in Britain. And then mm-hmm. at the end, there's another song called abide by me that they sing. Um, which is another one that's probably well known in Britain because the first and last verse are traditionally sung at the FA cup final about 15 minutes before the kickoff of the match. So, Uh. yeah. So at all of their soccer games, they sing that song. So it's something that in the British people watching this would probably recognize both of these hymns in a way that we don't necessarily recognize them as Americans, which I just thought was, was interesting. Um, but that is really it. Now, one thing that I will say is the face of Bo is dead. He He's died in this episode. Mm-hmm. But remember the face of Bo. Remember him. Because okay. you'll, you'll want to remember him in the future. I, I don't think that I will ever forget the face of Bo. <laughs> Uh, you know, he was amongst one of the very first aliens that were introduced to in the outside of the plastics in this very second episode of doctor who yes uh and certainly one of the most interesting costume character designs that i've seen yeah you know he's like a giant version of the krang from the teenage moon ninja turtle yes so Yes. Impossible for me to forget. Yes. So I will definitely keep that in mind. And now it's time for my favorite new thing we have added to the podcast for Series 3, and that is Ashley's TARDIS Tidbits. Ashley, take it away. This is Ashley's TARDIS Tidbits for Season 3, Episode 3, Gridlock. When the Doctor and Martha first get out of the TARDIS at the beginning of the episode... You'll quickly see the doctor pull an arrow out of the door. And this is from Queen Elizabeth's men at the end of the Shakespeare Code, the previous episode. This episode of Gridlock completes um, kind of a loose trilogy that the writers were doing that started with the end of the world in season one and New Earth in season two. The monsters of this episode, the Macra, They actually first appeared in the 1967 episode, The Macra Terror. And with their appearance, they become the fourth monster from the classic series to make an appearance in New Who, after the Autons, the Daleks, and the Cybermen. The description that the Doctor gives of Gallifrey in this episode, about the night sky being a burnt orange color and the tree leaves are bright silver, is identical to the description given by the Doctor's granddaughter, Susan, in the 1964 episode, The Sensorites. And finally, the face of Bo. His final message to the Doctor in this episode was originally meant for the season two episode, New Earth. But the idea was scrapped and saved for a later time because they felt that both Cassandra and Bo shouldn't die in the same episode. And remember the message that the face of Bo gives to the doctor. You are not alone. You will want to remember it for this season. And I definitely will. Thank you so much, Ashley, for bringing us yet another 
awesome installment of your tidbits. I love the info. I love the depth that the info provides, uh, even to some of the things that we already discussed earlier in the podcast. It just colors it with that much more extra information, which for me is fantastic. So thank you so much. And now it's back to you, Jamie. Is there anything else that we need to talk about? Anything that we haven't gotten to yet? And that's it for what I had. Like I said, there's not a whole lot in this episode that really ties to other episodes, which makes it a good one to to watch, you know, by itself. Yeah, it's it's a good standalone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it 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 helps push the character mechanics of the Martha and the Doctor and their relationship together uh, forward, but it certainly doesn't do anything for the greater anthology uh, story, like you know. Bad Wolf was uh, in series one and um, um, Torchwood was in series two. Right, exactly. But excellent. I am so glad to have you back in the podcast and uh, certainly to have you for this episode. Because like I said, uh, it seems very serendipitous, uh, dear listener, if you don't know. I just kind of throw out uh, to some of the folks that have uh, volunteered to uh, help me understand Doctor Who and say, hey, if you want to do an episode. Uh, And I just sometimes pick shows at random and go, hey, would you like to do this show? And serendipity has not led me astray because this episode feels like it belongs to Jamie Kern. Uh, and I'm glad that you were here for it. Thanks. Me too. This was fun. <laughs> and thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another podcast. If you want to support the show, please go to firsttimelord.com. There we've got our merch shop with some uh, pretty cool looking shirts, if I do say so myself. Uh, You can also leave a comment on any of the previous episodes, this one included. Uh, Or if you want to support the show in a different way, you can click on the Patreon link, which will take you to my Patreon site. uh, And you can support the podcast that way. Uh, The most important way of supporting the podcast is just share it with a friend. Somebody that you think would enjoy Doctor Who or enjoys Doctor Who and would get a kick out of going back and re-watching the shows and listening to a first-timer's opinion uh, and, and my adventures of going through this. Uh, but any and all support is greatly appreciated. And I've got no more time left, so I better jump in the TARDIS and get ready for the next Doctor Who episode. <laughs>